0: Of your Bibles this morning. take them to turn with me to First Corinthians chapter 11 First Corinthians 11 verse 23 and we will finish out this morning. We shall finish that out today. Have you ever had a dinner party that was ruined? Maybe the question could be, have you ever ruined a dinner party? Maybe the food was not any good. Maybe you burnt the food, had too much going on. Maybe people showed up late or they didn't show up at all. Maybe the... They showed up and they were in bad moods. I I don't know how your dinner parties go. Um, Bobby Jamison, though, in his book, Understanding the Lord's Supper, makes a suggestion for a surefire way to ruin a dinner party. He says, show up before everyone else, eat all the food, and then get drunk. But this was not an original idea of his. This is exactly what was happening at Corinth. As we saw last week, the love feast would take place before the love the the Lord's supper. And so the Corinthians would ruin the Lord's supper because at the love feast they would show up the the rich would get there before the poor. They would have a wonderful time, and by the time the poor got there, there would be no food left and the the, the rich would be drunk and there was no unity, there was no love. And they saw the activity as nothing more than a worldly activity, more nothing more than a free meal with an open bar, and in truth, it may have resembled the pagan feast that we talked about in the chapters prior. If you remember the issue of freedom, and we talked about the, them eating the meat, and they would go to these pagan worship services, the love feast had was it really seemed to be quickly kind of going in that direction. And so it began to resemble something that was not godly. And this all stemmed from, as we saw last week, from the fact that they they had a misunderstanding of the church gathering. They had a misunderstanding of the church coming together and the church being one and the and the purposes of the church. The love feast, the Lord's Supper had lost its meaning, it had lost its purpose. And as I stand here this morning and really just ready to jump into this text I really feel like I need to ask a question FBC have we forgotten what the purpose of gathering is have you and I forgotten what the purpose of Sunday morning worship and Sunday morning Sunday school and have we forgotten what the church business meeting is really about what the purpose is about and what the nights of praise is really about and what the the, the potlucks that we do have we forgotten the purposes have we have we lost our focus we come now to a text where the apostle paul is going to re- hopefully refocus the church by showing them the purpose of the lord's supper we come to a text that is very helpful and has been helpful for for many generations with many churches on how to practice the lord's supper properly so in an effort to reclaim the beauty of the Lord's Supper, Paul is going to share the purpose of the Lord's Supper. He's going to share with them how one profanes the Lord's Supper and how one is to, pro- to, pra- uh, to properly practice the Lord's Supper. And So that'll be our three main points this morning. The purpose of the Lord's Supper, the profaning of the Lord's Supper, and the proper practice of the Lord's Supper. And so if you will, let's read, let's finish out chapter 11 this morning, beginning in verse 23. He writes, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my body. Do this as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in doing so he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. And for this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number asleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. This morning, we're going to look at the, let's begin with the purpose. If you'll notice here within the text, that Apostle Paul tells us that he is basically, he, he's, or as I said earlier, he wants to remind them of what is going on. If you notice here, he says, For what I have received from the Lord, that which I also deliver to you. Paul has already delivered this to them. This is not a new practice. This is not a new instruction. The Lord's Supper is not something new that he is wanting them to take, that they're not. Matter of fact, some scholars have even argued that this may be the earliest written account concerning the Lord's Supper because the Gospels are either being written at this time or not have been written, not being passed around. So, so many believe that this may be the very first written account on how you and I are to practice the Lord's Supper did this come from the other apostles? Did the Paul learn this from, from John or Peter or Luke, or not Luke, but uh, from Matthew and them? Did he learn this from them? No. Matter of fact, in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, Paul declares what he received, a special revelation from God. He writes this. He says, For I would have you know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel which was preached by me is not of human invention, for I neither received it from man Nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Let that sink in for a moment this morning. Notice what Paul is saying here in Galatians. He said, I have received this from Jesus in a special revelation himself. The Lord's Supper, FBC, is so important that Jesus reveals its purpose and proper practice to the Apostle Paul personally after, after his ascension into heaven. So, so Paul has this this experience, this road, uh, while he's on the road to Damascus, this experience with Jesus. But then he has this other experience where Christ comes and he begins to reveal to him the gospel and the understanding of the gospel. And he reveals to him even the Lord's Supper. And so, and so this is so important that Jesus reveals it not once but twice. Once to his disciples there at the Last Supper, there in the upper room, and now to the Apostle Paul. And the Lord is now revealing it to Paul and it's, it's, it's an important practice that we are not to take lightly that comes from Jesus Christ. So, so, so what is the purpose of the Lord's Supper? If, if this is something that Jesus is so serious about, something that Jesus himself would reveal himself to the Apostle Paul and give the Apostle instructions, should this not be something that First Baptist Church of Jonesboro should take seriously? So there are two words here that I want you to see within the text that Paul gives us. It is the words of remembering and proclaiming. If you notice, he says here that in verse 24, it says, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then verse 25, the same way he took the cup, also saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so the first thing that we understand is that the purpose of the Lord's Supper, beloved, is that we are to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Paul is quoting Christ from Luke chapter 22, that by eating the bread and drinking the wine, that we are remembering that which Christ gave his life for. We are remembering the way, the manner in which He gave His life, the reason why He gave His life. We, we are remembering the sacrifice of Jesus that on the night of the Passover, where they were to celebrate the freedom and the salvation from Egypt and slavery of their people, Jesus, at the end of the Passover, turns and transitions that Passover into something new and something greater. He instituted the new covenant here where salvation is not found or, or, or salvation is always found, but it's revealing that salvation is in the sacrifice of Jesus and not in the sacrifice of bulls and goats. It is in the death of Christ and not the death of an animal. He gave His body and He gave His blood, for as Matthew says in chapter 26, verse 28, for the forgiveness of sins. And so in short, the Lord's Supper is remembering the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, bearing our sins. So when you and I gather, whether it's the taking of the Lord's Supper on this table or whether it's passed out and it has the little cups and whatever it may be, whatever method it may be, whatever manner in which we do it, whether you pass a goblet around and a loaf of bread, it has within it the purpose to recall the gospel by which you are saved. Our salvation comes not by one's merit or heritage or skin color or intellect. We were all dead in our sins, we were all dead in our trespasses with no hope of escaping the judgment of God. Hell was waiting on you. You were on the road to hell. But Christ But God, in His mercy, but God, in His love, sent Christ to be a substitute for you. And Jesus took your punishment. He took a punishment that you deserved. He took the wrath of God, the judgment of God upon Himself. And His death brings you life. He gives His body for your spirit, His blood for your soul. And in Him and in Him alone, we find our salvation. And every time that we take the bread and the cup, we are remembering the sacrifice of my salvation. We are, we are calling in to focus. We are refocusing ourselves on why it is not why we just take the Lord's Supper. We are remembering why we gather in the first place. We we are remembering why we sing congregational songs in the first place. We are remembering why we do evangelism in the first place. The Lord's Supper has the, the, the purpose of refocusing and remembering what all of this is all about. John MacArthur said for the Hebrew To remember meant more than simply to bring to something to mind, merely to recall that it happened. To truly remember is to go back and bring something to mind and recapture as much of the reality and the significance of an event or experience as one possibly can. We remember his once for all sacrifice for us and we rededicate ourselves to his obedient service. Oh, brothers and sisters, do you need to be refocused this morning? The Lord's Supper reminds me of why I am doing what I do. But not only that, notice that he also says there in verse 27 whoever eats, therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord, and then, um, I'm sorry, verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we see also it is a, pro, a proclaiming of Jesus' sacrifice. That the partaking of the Lord's Supper is not just for our own sake, but it is for the sake of the world. It is a gospel witness to the world around us. And so this morning, if I was to ask you, who wants to be evangelistic this morning if I, wanted, if, I, if, I, if I could ask you this morning, who wants to see, see the gospel go forth and people, to people see the, the sacrifice and the, the death of Christ, be able to hear the gospel, they may be saved, and that you can be involved in that practice? Who would want to be a part of that? You would probably raise your hand. The Lord's Supper is a testimony to the world that we are not only unashamed of our Lord, but we are very clear and very firm That the message of salvation, that the hope of sinners, is Jesus Christ. And so when you practice the Lord's Supper, you are proclaiming to the world the testimony of the gospel. The word proclaimed in the Greek literally means to declare down. It means to declare plainly, openly, loudly What a simple gospel witness the Lord's Supper is, that every time the church gathers and every time that we take of the Lord's Supper, we are plainly, if done right, we are plainly and openly and loudly declaring the only way of salvation is in Jesus Christ. There are no other ways. When Oprah says there are many ways, we say, no, the Lord's Supper says there is only one way that the lost cannot be saved by their bank accounts and by their good deeds the lost cannot be saved by the by politicians and the policies of government they cannot be saved by community service they simply cannot find salvation in any way but hope in Jesus Christ there are no other ways beloved and if you truly believe that and you truly if that is truly the message of the church that we are a gospel witness church, that our core value is that we are gospel witnesses and we want to be gospel witnesses to this world, then the Lord's Supper is a practical way of practicing that. Jesus takes something as simple as bread and wine and he makes it into the sign of a new covenant to help us remember and proclaim the gospel. For example, look at your wedding ring you were married this morning you can look at your wedding ring and for those of you who are married don't have it on i'll let your spouse deal with you later i have let me say i hardly i am not one to wear it all the time so i'm i have to repent all 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 the time but your wedding ring it's, it's not the thing that makes you married the ring itself, does not it's not what makes you married, that if you forgot to wear it this morning, that you're not married, or whatever, if you, or if you've done like I have and lost it numerous times. It's, it's not you know, that you're no longer married because you don't have it on. No, the, the, wedding, the wedding ring is a symbol that symbolizes the commitment and the love that a husband and a wife have for one another. It's a reminder of their wedding day where they looked into one another's eyes and they spoke these vows of commitment, that they coveted with one another, that that till death do us part, we are with you in sickness and in health, for better or for worse. And so every time that you look at your wedding ring, or every time you feel it on your finger, you are reminded of the one who committed their life to you and to who you have committed your life to. You recall the wedding day, you recall the emotions and the love of the, the wooing process and the, the dating process and the engagement process. You recall the many years of good times and bad times, and yet that you are still together. And guess what else it does? That when someone else looks at your finger that is not your spouse, it proclaims a message to them, they're taken. The wedding ring does not make you married in the same way the Lord's Supper does not save you. But it is a powerful symbol that, brings, that recalls and refocuses your commitment in love and proclaims to the world an important message that you belong to someone else. And so, beloved, when we take the bread and we take the wine, we are reminding ourselves and proclaiming to others the sacrifice of Christ that brings about salvation, that he paid for our salvation through his body and through his blood. I ask you this morning, FBC, are you able to fulfill this? Is there one in here this morning who knows that they shouldn't be taking the Lord's Supper, they can't take the Lord's Supper because there's nothing for them to proclaim and there's nothing for them to remember because they've never been saved? You've never repented of your sins. You've never come to Christ in salvation. You've never, you've never believed upon Him and placed your entire trust in Him. And so if there's nothing for you to remember. You can't fulfill this purpose. You may have even taken the Lord's Supper many times, but you have taken it in vain. Oh, beloved, if that is you this morning, hear me. It is proclaiming to you that you can be saved. It is proclaiming to you today that God gave His Son, His one and only Son, that you may be saved to the sacrifice on the cross and to the resurrection of His, of His body. I call upon you today. Be saved. Rejoice in Christ. Come and know Christ. Come and know the significance and the love and the body and the blood that was given for the forgiveness of your sins. Your sins. And secondly, I would ask us as a church, do we faithfully fulfill these purposes? Do we recall and proclaim the gospel when we have the Lord's Supper? Do we seek to daily recall and proclaim the gospel on a daily basis to refocus ourselves? I pray that we would. That we not forget the reasons that we gather and the reasons that we meet and the reasons for our practices and our evangelism. Secondly, notice the profaning. Notice what he says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So, so, So notice the profaning. Here the Lord's Supper, because it has such high purpose, it would Be wrong for anyone to partake of it in some unworthy manner. Now, you need to understand that word, unworthy. It is not an adjective describing a person. It's not an adjective describing It's an adverb describing uh, the manner or the method in which the person approaches the table. So here's the deal. No one is worthy of sitting at the Lord's table. No one is worthy of coming to the Lord's table unless they have been saved. Then you are worthy to sit at the Lord's table, but not by your worth, but by whose? By Jesus. You are made worthy by his righteousness. And and, and so we have to understand, this is not an adjective describing a person, because this could probably cause some confusion, because none of us really are, are worthy of this. What Paul is talking about here is a manner, the way in which we take of the Lord's Supper and so he's talking about how. So, so what is meant by unworthy manner? Well, the second half of the verse, 27, says that you shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. And so I've thought about this. How does one really portray what this means? How can I convince you of what this is saying? And I think, I really think that you'll get this. Think, of, think for example, one who tramples upon and burns the American flag. Think about it, or, or, or think of one who kneels when the Pledge of Allegiance is being, is being done. They are not guilty of dishonoring the cloth. They're, they're not guilty of dishonoring the, the, the pole and the fabric, the, you know, and, and all of that. They are dishonoring the country and what that country represents, what that flag represents They're guilty of dishonoring their country and anyone who would be united with that country. And so similar to eating and drinking in an unworthy manner of the Lord's Supper, when you come and you take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way, it's no different than you kneeling during the Pledge of Allegiance. If you come in an unworthy manner, if you come with a wrong attitude and focus, you are no different than anyone who would kneel during the Pledge of Allegiance or trample upon a flag or burn the flag. You are guilty of dishonoring the bread, not the bread and the wine, not the, not the substance, not the, not the fabric, but what it represents, the body and the blood of Jesus You profane the sacrifice of Jesus. To profane means to treat something sacred with irreverence or contempt. You are not concerned with its purposes. Again, if someone was to trample or burn or to kneel, they do so because they do not care what it stands for. They do not see the purpose behind the flag. But in the same way, when you come and you take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way, you profane the greatest act of love and sacrifice the world has ever known you profane the greatest person ever known and you do so with irreverence and with contempt you do this by not taking it you ignore it you you never come to church and so when the church has the lord's supper I mean, imagine, I know this, this sounds, this, you, may, you may never thought about it, but think of a church membership roll that has a thousand members on it, and when we take the Lord's Supper, barely a hundred are there to take it. Now, you imagine what you would say if we were at a patriotic service where we were all going to go and a hundred people said the Pledge of Allegiance, but, a, but, but 900 didn't. We profane it when we don't take the Lord's Supper because we're never at church. We profane it when we don't remember the reality and the significance of Jesus' sacrifice, recalling what it was that Jesus did for us. Recalling what Jesus did for me. How wretched I was, but he died and bled and gave his life for me. And I just take it in a a flippant manner. Let's just get this over with. It's just something we do. We treat it like it's an earthly event. It's a tradition. It's just one of those old church traditions. And we need something new and wonderful to really motivate us. You profane it when you don't take it with the faith, family, and love and unity. This is why I don't believe you can take this online the lord's supper is meant to be taken in unity physical unity with one another because one loaf one cup and we're all drinking and eating from the one it has a symbolism of being together physically together sitting at the table and Brothers and sisters, when you come and you are not in love and unity, when you, if you don't have a love for the church, you, can, you don't have a love for the country, you can still give the Pledge of Allegiance, you can still not trample it, you can still not burn it, but you're not patriotic. So you can take the Lord's Supper and not have a love for God or a love for His church. The bride in which He died you profane it you take it with unconfessed sin and bitterness toward others in your heart the lord's supper beloved is not to be trampled upon and let me say this and i, I please hear me this morning it is to be held in far greater esteem than even the american flag The Lord's Supper, in America, there is a gap there. The Lord's Supper stands for something greater than a sacrifice that brought physical freedom from tyrants. It stands for the salvation given by the sacrifice of God's one and only Son. And notice that God disciplines Christians who do not take it properly. Verse 30, For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number are asleep or dead. Do you remember Ananias and Sapphira? They profaned the Lord, and God killed them. And so what we find is is that Ananias and Sapphira were not some rare, weird exception of God disciplining people by making them sick or just taking them out. Those who profaned the Lord's Supper, profaned the remembrance and the gospel witness of of Jesus Christ, were disciplined by God there at the church of Corinth. And so I ask you this morning, beloved, have you or do you profane the Lord's supper? Are you a Christian that does not take the Lord's supper? You do not see it as important and you do not come to church enough to take the Lord's supper, so therefore you refuse it, you're apathetic, you really you're just going through life, you're just going through motions and you're more worried about your job and your community and you're more worried about yourself you're not really thinking and focused on christ and his call upon your life and so therefore church and especially the lord's supper is not a priority to you you profane the lord's supper do we not take it enough and i'll say this is on me fbc this is one that i have that, that trey and i've talked about for a few years now and You know, we try to take it every quarter and even on some special occasions, but really and truthfully, we should take it more. And so in the coming months, we're going to begin to look at having the Lord's Supper on a far more regular basis. Giving it the honor that it deserves and you and I getting to experience the benefits of it. And when you take it, do you just go through the motions There's no value in what you're doing. It's just the old church tradition. When you take it, do you consider the faith family? Do you consider that you're with brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you love the people that you're sitting at this table with? That we're eating from the same loaf and drinking from the same cup, Jesus Christ? You do know. That there is something within all of us here this morning that we have that is greater than even the blood of family. And that is Christ who lives in you and me. And if I do not love you as Christ loves you, and Christ gave his life for you, and I come to the Lord's table as one who believes himself to be an individual, as one who believes himself to just be the lone ranger, I'm just here because I need a place to go to church. I'm not really here to be a part. I'm just here because you know, I need somewhere to go. Then I come with a, the very opposite of, of affection that God has for you. The Lord's Supper is meant to be taken as a faith family. Brothers and sisters, we are. If we are as passionate and show as much reverence toward a flag that represents our country and what it stands for, then why in the world would we not be more passionate and reverent about the Lord's Supper, which represents the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that brings salvation? Why would we ever dishonor our Lord? But thirdly, notice the proper practice. Look at verse twenty-eight and thirty-one. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and for he who eats and drinks eats and drinks judgment to himself. If he does not judge the body rightly, for this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and uh, and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. These are present imperatives. Examine yourself. Judge yourself. This is a present. Imperative. This means this is not an option for you and I. This means that you and I are to examine my heart, my attitude, my mind. I need to examine my past few weeks. I need to examine my past few months. I, I need to examine the, the choices that I'm making, what's happening in my family. I need to examine my, my view and my, my affections and my emotions for my church family. I need to examine myself and all that I am. John MacArthur says, before we partake, we are to give ourselves a thorough examination, looking honestly at our hearts for anything that should not be there, and sifting out all evil, our motives, our attitudes toward the Lord, toward His Word, toward His church, toward the very communion table itself, should all come under private scrutiny before God. We are called to examine ourselves. And I could tell you as a pastor, I don't think there's anything more needed right now within our local church than self examination of every individual, me included that we would do the very thing that God is calling us to do in the Lord's Supper. And so in a few weeks, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper. We're not going to do it today, but we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper. And you're going to be called upon over the next two weeks to examine yourself. I I think really and truthfully, you need to examine yourself more than just the few minutes before you take it. That you begin to examine yourself throughout the weeks leading up and seeing are we really doing, are we really, are we really focused on Christ the way that we say that we are? Are we as a church really doing all that we can do to be healthy and be revitalized and to, and to reach our community? Uh, we need to focus on ourselves. Is there something going on in our life? So, so, just to give you a few things, you must examine and judge properly your purpose. Why do you take the Lord's Supper? And How will even go further than that? Why are you here today? Is it just so you just go through the motions? Why are you here today? Is your purpose the glory and honor of God in all that you are? Why do you take the Lord's supper? Do you take it to call to recall the significance of Christ's sacrifice for your salvation? Examine today and judge whether or not you have the right and correct and proper purpose. Examine and judge, are you a gospel witness? Are you a gospel witness? Does the message of the Lord's Supper, does it compare, does it mean up with the message that you proclaim with your words and with your actions? Are you proclaiming to a lost and dying world that salvation is in Christ and Christ alone? His life, His death, and His resurrection. Or are you just taking the Lord's Supper just to get through it and there's no proclamation whatsoever? Judge your life today. Am I a gospel witness? And do I participate in the practices of the church that that evangelize and proclaim the gospel? We must examine and judge again how often we take it. For he says in verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup... And so this is my own examination. Do we as a church take it often enough? And I believe that we do not, and therefore we need to begin taking it more. So does our church do too little, or do we miss out on too much? Examine and judge who can take it. This is not an outreach event. This is a serious thing, and at the table there is only one who is able to come in a worthy manner, and that is one who has been saved and redeemed by Christ, the Lord's Supper is not for everyone. And this is the reason why, beloved, that we, we understand, and you know that we do not preach that the Lord's Supper nor baptism can save you, but we do understand that they are important ordinances of the church that we must take very seriously. And, so, and we even see here that God disciplines those who do not take them seriously. So this is the reason why that we even say that I say to you that you must be careful even with your children, that your children do not take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. We do not want to test our Lord, especially with our children whom we love and care for so deeply. Examine and judge your love and unity within the church. Do you love this church? Do you love First Baptist Church of Jonesboro? Do you have a joy and a trust and a care for the members of this church? And if you say, I do not, then you have judged yourself that that you are taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Examine and judge, where is your focus today? Are you living with day-to-day expectations of God's glory or day-to-day expectations of your own? Why is self-examination so important? Why is it so important that we take the Lord's Supper? Why is it so important that I judge myself? Why is it so important that we do these things? When Leonardo da Vinci was 43 years old, old, uh, the duke, of million asked him to paint the dramatic scene of Jesus' Last Supper. And so he began the, the project working very slowly, giving meticulous care and detail. He spent three years on the assignment. He grouped the disciples into three, two groups on either side of the central figure of, of Christ. And, and Christ's arms are outstretched, and in his right hand he holds a cup. Leonardo da Vinci worked very hard on the cup. He painted it it to be as beautiful as he can with marvelous realism. When the masterpiece was finished, the artist said to a friend, he says, I need you to observe it and give me your opinion of it. And so the friend looked at it and he cried out. He says, it is wonderful. He said, Leonardo, that cup is so real. I cannot divert my eyes from it. And immediately Leonardo da Vinci took a brush and he drew it across and he took the brush and he drew it across the sparkling cup and he sparkling cup and he exclaimed Nothing shall detract from the figure of Christ. Turn your eyes away from the cup and turn them on Jesus. Brothers and sisters, some of us are so distracted today because we have been distracted by other things. And the Lord's Supper is God's way of bringing us into focus again that the reason I do anything, the reason that I am alive today and I'm able to give up, get up and come to church and gather with you, the reason that I do anything is because Jesus Christ gave his life for me. And there are those of you in here this morning. You need to refocus. You need to you need to examine yourself and refocus. And so I call you today. Let nothing distract you from the figure of Christ. Let's pray.